Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm Michael. And I am still trying to get my voice back. <clears throat> it's almost like you sang or something last week. Yeah, it's it's almost like... Uh, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Like Thank you. you. <laughs> uh, somebody took an axe or maybe smashed your throat. Yeah. Maybe just crushed your larynx. Crushed mm-hmm. it. I knew I should have done Johnny Cash Hurt style. Here come the axe, and here come the smasher. Or I could have done it Terry Funk style. Oh, that's my, you don't step on my toes. Don't step on my toes. (laughs) Welcome to episode 139, Best of Wrestling History X, Volume 3, 1993 to 1994. This is where the shortlist gets shorter. That's right. Yeah, we cut that shortlist down to our favorite five matches of the last couple of years. That's tough. To I'm... share with you guys. Yeah. Yeah, we literally sat here for like six, eight, 15 minutes. 10, 12, yeah. Like, 14, man, 16, 18. Pick, yeah, we pick? had to pick five from like 25 matches. That's yeah. tough. So we tried to keep it varied and we tried to keep it to the ones that kind of stick out in our mind the most removed from them. We're like, oh, I remember this specific move or you know this guy shining in this match yep. or the storytelling being great you know yeah absolutely if, if you can still say holy shit you know 20 something years later then it's, it's holy shit. It. yeah <clears throat> absolutely i mean we might as well just kick it right off we're gonna go chronological order so this is not like number one number two number three it's just in chronological order because that's what we do on the show. We just go chronologically and everything, basically. Right. Yeah, and then with the end, we'll we'll glitch in on what was on the list, what we pared down from. Absolutely. So our first match is all the way back from episode one hundred and nine, Battlefield. We saw the Steiner brothers versus Hiroshi Hase and Keiji Muto. Hase, Hase, Hase. Um, Love is a battlefield. <laughs> There's a, a a move called a Steiner screwdriver. I don't believe you see it. It's not a Steiner staple, but uh, it's maybe... It's definitely the first time we had ever seen it because I remember seeing it and popping up off my couch. And also being afraid <laughs> for the man that took it. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. It's a highlight in a match full of highlights. These Japanese men bump hard for these beefy Americans. Well, let's just send it to ourselves to hear all about it. Let's do it. We then go to our seventh match, the Steiner Brothers of Rick and Scott Steiner. Versus Stefan Hiroshi. No, I'm kidding. That's just what it said on New Japan World. It's Hiroshi Hase. Versus Hiroshi Hase and Keiji Muto, a.k.a. the great Muto. Muto-san. So the last time we saw Hase and Muto was at the G1 Climax 1993, episode 97. So the two teams shake hands before starting. And then we get Scott and Hase matching up 
as they work the mat until Hiroshi delivers a fireman's carry takeover. Rick and Muda tag in with some mat work of their own until Scott comes back in to hit an overhead belly-to-belly, which KG rolls out afterwards to regroup. And, you know, Steiner Brothers got some, some more meat than these guys. A little bit. So you got to get your brain floating a little bit, spinning around, you got to roll out and collect yourself. And I just have to uh, state for the record, as I have written in my notes here, that Muto is one handsome some bitch. He's, he's filled out nicely over the last few yeah, years. Yeah, he's a good-looking gentleman. Puts, puts some meat on him. Yeah. He's got a lot more meat on him now. And uh, too pretty of a face a, to put under all that makeup, but and a big he old still belt. wears the makeup well. Yeah. Hase comes back in and goes for a suplex, only for Scott to block, so Hiroshi takes him to the mat, applying a crossface. Scott begins wearing down Hase with several holds, only for Hiroshi to get his foot on the ropes to break it up. Back to their feet, Scott with a tiger driver. And Muta runs in only to be press slammed by Rick, while Scott press slams Hase as well, sending the Japanese gentleman out of the ring to regroup. Back in the ring, KG throws Scott out to the rampway, hitting a vertical suplex, and then runs all the way up the ramp to come returning with all a the way back. lariat. Long ass yes. run. He was mad. I mean, there was a, a moment here where Rick Steiner runs in. Does some wolf stuff, gets on all fours, and fake pee-pees on him, like a doggy. <laughs> so, you know, they're, they've been disrespected in front of 48,000 people by these two meatheads in American flag singlets. And see, Got me, a, me watching too much of today's product, when I saw him darting down the rampway, it's like, where the hell is he going? Is there, like, somebody coming out there that he's trying to stop <laughs> You expected music to shoot me on some yeah. music to drop and hope there to be a run-in? It's like, no, he's just yeah. going to turn around and run right back. Yeah, fortunately, there's not a whole lot of run-ins in uh, in Japan, and if they do happen, they don't play the song. No. And there's no microphone. Rick comes over to help his brother when Muta suplexes him, and then Hase runs up the ramp, <laughs> returning with a lariat on Rick. One for each brother. They finally return to the ring with KG locking on a figure four onto Scott before Hiroshi comes in to apply the Muda lock, followed by a double team wishbone. Muda's working the ankle only for Scott to reverse it, but it sends him close enough to the corner to tag in Hase, who starts chopping away at Steiner, only for him to retaliate with a dragon suplex. Rick comes in with a running power slam into a corner, but Hiroshi fights back with chops and allows KG to come in with a snapmare and the flash elbow. Muda goes to work on Rick's arm, but he powers up, slamming KG to break the hold. Hase comes in with a uranagi, goes to the top turnbuckle, but Scott grabs him from the outside, allowing Rick to recover to hit a top rope belly to belly. Ugh, the uh, uranagi is a rock bottom. Yes. Okay. I was like, what? It's like, I was watching, it's like, it's not the rock bottom. What is it called? I can't remember. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. A rock bottom without the, you know, eyebrows and flair. Yeah. Scott with a lariat. Muda runs in to eat a lariat as well, followed by the tilt world backbreaker on Hiroshi for a two count. Scott then hits the Steiner screwdriver, which is a stalling vertical suplex into a sit out tombstone pile driver. Yeah, I was like, when did I see this? Have I seen this before? You've probably seen. We've never seen Steiner do it before. Yeah. But if you watch the current day product, mm-hmm. it's basically Brian Cage's finisher. The oh, drill okay. claw. Okay. Well, it looks fucking awesome. 
right? Yes. Yes, yeah, so it looks devastating. It looks uh, very devastating. Well, he lands right on his fucking head. Yeah. Hase, I was like, he's dead. I, well, I was watching this, and uh, I immediately, like, paused it, found a gif of it, and sent it to one of my friends. And he was like, "Is that guy's dead, dead right? right? And I was like, and I was like, it's like, no, they went like another five minutes. <laughs> I was like, Hiroshi Hase is a fucking badass. He's dead. <laughs> I don't know how many more times we see this move because I don't know who would want to take this move from uh, Scott Steiner. Yeah, like from anybody, let alone from Scott Steiner. It's like, mm, I think the only person scarier to take it from would be like Vader. <laughs> but, but I think it's it might be less scarier Maybe than Vader. Then, <laughs> whoa, wow, yeah, because Dan can't do it. But yeah, the only it might be less scary than Vader's uh, shoot punches. <laughs> that is like. Forearm, like, lip busters. KG looks to jump in to help, but Rick runs over and delivers a top rope belly-to-belly suplex to him. Second top rope belly-to-belly of the match. Scott drags Hase to his feet, hits a clothesline, but Hiroshi doesn't go down. Second one doesn't work. Tries for a third, only for Hase to catch him with a urinagi. Hiroshi follows up with another urinagi for a two count. Muda comes in with a back body drop. A drop kick and a top rope face crusher. KG continues with a drop kick to send Rick out to the floor before sailing over the ropes himself with a pescado while Hase hits a German suplex and a Northern Light suplex on Scott. Uh, makes the cover only for Rick to be able to make the save. So much. So much stuff happened all there in tandem. It was like, uh, it was almost like a. Southern Boys, uh, like, uh, Freebird or Rock and Roll match. It was like, oh, I don't know what to look at. (laughs) But these guys are big guys. Muda is tagged in, sending Scott to the corner, following in with the cartwheel back elbow and another face crusher. He tries for the dragon suplex, but Rick breaks it up. So KG hits a backbreaker and the moonsault for the near fall, while Hiroshi takes care of Rick. Muta goes to run the ropes, only for Scott to surprise him with the Frankensteiner. Frankensteiner. I was like, they're doing so much. Why don't these colors bleed? <laughs> I'm pulling for the little guys. Everyone makes tags, allowing Rick to hit a Steiner line on Hase, followed by a press slam and an elbow drop for a two count. Rick hits the Tilt-A-Whirl backbreaker on Hiroshi, a lariat on Muta, and lifts Hase up onto his shoulders while Scott climbs to the top rope to hit a DDT. Oof. Double team Irish whip to KG, followed by a double shoulder block. Scott then lifts Hiroshi up onto his shoulders, with Rick coming off the top rope with a bulldog for the pin and, and the win. win. Incredible. Two words, short and list. Oh yeah, this is fucking incredible. It's... Ah. So good. How bad did you want those guys to win even though you know they weren't going to? I didn't know that they weren't going to. So oh, that's even better. Yeah. I mean, I assumed they weren't, but I was also like, I know. I mean, like, I didn't know. I, they could have won. That's why I mean, That's why the match is so good. no clue who was going mean, to win this match. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in hindsight, you're like, well, it's the Steiner brothers. They're... Yeah, I mean, but like, that's that's what I was thinking is, you know, it's Steiner Brothers. But, but no, I seriously... It's Muto and yeah. Hase as well, so... Yeah, that's why those near falls at the end, like, I didn't know. It wasn't like one of those things where I... Like, I assumed when I started the match, the Steiner Brothers would win. And I watched the match, and I wanted the other guys to win. 
so bad that I didn't even, I couldn't even think about it because it did what pro wrestling is here to do. Brought you in. I'm still like, oh my God, every time I watch that match. Just like, that move, just crazy. Woo! Yeah, you would think that maybe like Muto would take it, but it's Hase. It's Hase. Yeah. M- Muda is making the money in that, in that tag team. <laughs> he really yeah. is, but we love Hase over Hand here. Hand this off to the professor. Yeah, us, the, at WHX, we do love Hiroshi Hase. Muto <laughs> he is one had of the, our favorites. He's had the bigger career. Yeah. But speaking of one of our favorites, we're going to head to WrestleMania 10. We got a couple matches here from there, and I'm sure. If you know anything about WrestleMania 10, you know exactly which matches we're talking about. And you know that there's still a reason that WrestleMania 10 is still plenty of people's favorite. Yes. If for some reason you have not watched WrestleMania 10 yet, get off your ass. Go do it. It's on Peacock. It's not a two-match show. No. But there's two matches that stand above. Yes. Absolutely. The first one is the Rocket Owen Hart versus the Hitman Bret Hart. Brother versus brother. First time ever. It's been it's the been intensity. Bo- it's been boiling for quite a while. Yep. And this is your first blow off. Let's find out what we said back then. Kick it. First match, which is the Rocket Owen Hart versus the Hitman Bret Hart. I love the X doors, the ten like the Roman numeral doors yes. that uh, slide open for everybody's entrance. Such a nice little touch. And then black and gold yes. for 10. It's like, oh, such a, so keep it clean. And the, uh, even the, the guardrails going down. Oh, they, yeah. they got rid of the generic black or baby blue color. Uh-huh. And these ones were kind of gold or bronze or, or whatever. So yeah, they fancied nice, it up a little bit. Nice touch of class. But guess who's out making fun of his brother already? Owen Hart's in the Bret Hart glasses. Hmm? But instead of putting them on a kid, he just rips them apart. <sighs> Boy. I know. I wanted to do that so many times when I was a teenager. <laughs> My nephew was a huge Bret Hart fan. Oh, yeah. And I got sick of those glasses, so yeah. Yeah. There was very, very, very many times that I just wanted to shred the hell out of them. <laughs> so the match gets going with Owen immediately hitting a fireman's carry takedown. But the hitman counters into a head scissors. The two brothers trade takedowns when Bret tosses the rocket through the ropes to the floor, only for Owen to slide back in and smack the hitman across the face. Getting personal. I mean, it can't get any more personal than this, right? They're brothers. The two then trade wrist locks, headlocks, and arm bars until Brett hits a monkey flip and a clothesline to send the rocket out to the floor. But the hitman follows out to toss Owen back in and smack him across the face before rolling him up for a two count. Brett comes off the ropes with a crucifix for a two count. Again hits the ropes, only to run into a spinning heel kick from the rocket, sending Hitman rolling out to the floor. Owen goes out after him, ramming him into the ring post, and back inside they go, where the rocket continues with a hard Irish whip, a backbreaker, and sets up a camel clutch, only for the Hitman to escape, but ends up running into a belly-to-belly for a two-count. And like Owen's already teased going, going, just leaving already after he got a little sour on that on that first uh, toss to the mat. Owen's Irish whip is reversed, so he springboards off the second rope into a crossbody, only for Brett to roll through for a near fall. The rocket goes back on offense, slowing it down with a reverse chin lock before going for a body slam, 
but a reversal of weight causes the hitman to fall on top for a two count before being sent to the outside on the kickout. See, what I love too during you know, these few minutes of the match here, or throughout this beginning part of the match, I have to say, every now and then Owen reaches up, grabs a handful of hair. Oh, yeah. You know, even though Rep is in, in plain sight, you know, it's, it's basically it's uh, a beautiful show of brotherly fighting right there. Yeah. Um, fuck you, I'm going to reach up and pull your hair. Because yeah, just antagonistic. <laughs> Owen tries to bring Brett in with a vertical suplex, only for the hitman to flip over to counter but the rocket counters as well to hit a bridging German suplex Beautiful. for a near fall. Beautiful suplex. Owen with a leg drop, headbutt, goes for another suplex, but Brett blocks and counters with a small package for a two count. The rocket is sent to the ropes, where the hitman goes for a tilt-a-whirl backbreaker, only for Owen to reverse it into a tombstone pile Ooh, driver. Okay. Climbs to the top rope, coming off with a splash, but Brett moves in time and this is wrestling guys the uh he even i love that before the pile driver reverse he had already like worked the neck in the back of brett so it's like ah you know if these two guys can't have a match that uh makes sense in the ring like what 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 hope do we have yes (laughs) and uh they're killing it here hitman with an inverted atomic drop clothesline russian leg sweep for a two count followed by a second rope elbow drop, and a backbreaker. But the rocket turns the tide with an enziguri and attempts the sharpshooter, only for Brett to counter to try one of his own, which Owen just rolls out of. The rocket's up with a roll-up for a two-count, but the kick-out sends him out to the floor, where the hitman follows out with a plancha onto Owen. Slingshot style, baby. Only to hurt his knee. Uh-oh. Same, you know what Bret Hart can do. It's the same knee he hurt at the Royal Rumble. Better than most people. Sell? Sell an E. Back in the ring, the Rocket sees the Hitman favoring the leg and goes right to work on it, even wrapping it around the ring post Posted. several times. Owen with a dragon screw leg whip before applying an inverted figure four, only to let it go to drop a knee. Hits another dragon screw before locking on a traditional figure four, but Brett is able to turn it over after a few moments and the two end up rolling to the ropes to break the hold. The rocket gets back to his feet and starts working the leg once again, only for Brett to fire back with an enziguri, a headbutt, and a hard Irish whip, sending Owen chest-first into the corner. It was uh, Owen's turn to take the chest bump into yeah. the corner. Heart style, mm-hmm. turnbuckle blast. The, the heart family trick. <laughs> the hitman with a leg drop, a bulldog, and a pile driver, all for two counts before setting the rocket on the top rope and delivers a top rope superplex for a near fall. Brett stays on the attack with European uppercuts and a sleeper, only for Owen to escape after a low blow and locks on the sharpshooter. Oh no. The hitman powers out to counter into a sharpshooter of his own, but the rocket makes the ropes to break the hold. Brett is then whipped to the corner and Owen charges right into a big boot. So the hitman climbs up to the turnbuckle, goes for a victory roll, but the rocket just sits down on Brett's shoulders for the pin and the win. We might not have sounded super excited, but we're just seeing it all in our heads as Matt went through it. But, you know, this is the shit we wait for all the time. Yes. 
this is one of those WrestleMania matches that you could rewind and rewatch and rewind and rewatch and rewind and rewatch and, re and just fill up the entire space of a WrestleMania watching the same match over and over again and still be okay. <laughs> I feel like yeah, so I feel like it's like oh, if you like yeah, if you go to like sign up for wrestling school and like you're like oh, I haven't seen this match, but they're like all right, well, come back when you have <laughs> because. Uh, they, they just kind of do... First lesson's free. Yeah, they do everything right. They sell everything right. Everything makes sense. They sell the superplex correctly, thank God. Of course they did, but I mean, that's one I get tired of. It's like, no. Nobody gets a... It's like, you got... You, the other guy hurt his head. Yeah. That's how it worked. Wherever Stu Hart was watching this match from, I hope he was very, very, very proud. Yeah. He probably was like, slow down. <laughs> but uh, that's... What other criticism could he have? He's older. Can you believe... <laughs> the rocket to the top. It's fucking it really, He wins yeah. Yeah. the match, and then later on that night, Brett wins the championship. I know. And who closes the show? Own. Like what? Yeah, like that's still a uh, an image that stands out in my head is the end of WrestleMania 10 with you know everybody cheering with Brett in the ring, and then you've got Owen just standing there, just like staring him down. It's eagle-eyed. Yeah, it's kind of primetime like WWF booking. This is high energy, emotional, this is storytelling and some of the best storytelling that they've that they've done at this point. We've talked about it uh, when when we watched it about how like this is the best thing since like the Mega Powers. Absolutely. Yeah. But I kind of foreshadowed it a little bit just a, a little while ago, but there was another match on WrestleMania ten. And it, it, it is the one that everyone remembers from WrestleMania 10. It's the ladder match. Yeah. Like, Sean, Razor. Two belts hanging above the ring. When we were looking at our list, I said, well, we have to do the ladder match because it's still the best ladder match. People do ladder matches now, but they kind of turn into spot fests. And this one feels like a wrestling match that features a ladder. Yeah, yeah, I know people absolutely. have said before that like, oh, the match where Shawn Michaels had a match with a ladder. I think that that's not giving enough service to Razor. Don't hate on Diesel so bad, man. To Razor, not Diesel. Are they not the I same was, person? I was calling Diesel uh, a, oh, a ladder. Oh, he's uh, an inanimate, uh, inanimate gotcha. object. Mm, I got, I get it. I, get I thought it. you were going for the you Razor can... and Diesel with the same person, like Honky and Brutus. <laughs> well, Honky and Brutus are our <laughs> secret twin brothers. <laughs> Went right over you guys' head. I may have to cut that one out. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. We have nowhere else to go after that bad joke, so let's just hear us talk about this ladder match. Let's do it. Climb on up. Well, we then get our eighth match: Shawn Michaels with Diesel versus Razor Ramon in a ladder match for the undisputed WWF. Intercontinental Championship. For the real, to find out who the real champion is. There's two belts in hanging above the ring, and the ladder is not in the ring, which is a great way to start. So I does the champion come out first? Mm, who's the real champion? <laughs> it depends on how you look at it. Yeah. Now there are no rules to this match, and the only way to win is to ascend the ladder and grab both belts. So the match gets going, with Sean grabbing a hammerlock, but it's quickly countered descending to the ropes, where the two men both go for hip tosses, which are both blocked. So Ramon grabs the throat for a choke slam. Michael starts running the ropes and ducks a clothesline, 
coming back with a running neckbreaker. Razor hits a shoulder tackle and goes to run the ropes himself, but Sean just tosses him through the ropes to the floor, where Diesel begins to stalk the bad guy, hitting a clothesline, which earns himself an ejection from the referee. Dun, dun, dun. Get out of here, Diesel. Back in the ring, Ramon goes on the attack with right hands and a clothesline, but sends HBK out to the floor, where Razor follows out, removing the protective mats around ringside. Careful. We know what happened the last time somebody decided to, you know, take, remove a pad, I guess. Cactus Jack did a back. Oh, yeah, back, back splat. And then, um, I mean, you know, I guess. I you know, know you're referring to Hogan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, Yoko took it, but he made it out all right. Basically unscathed. Sean, with a rake of the eyes to gain advantage, rolls the bad guy back into the ring where he continues the attack until Ramon hits a big right hand and sets up for the razor's edge. But Michaels counters with a back body drop out onto the concrete floor. As you said, he who removes it must receive it. I know. HBK goes out to retrieve the ladder, dragging it back to ringside. When the bad guy sneaks up from behind with the right hand, rolling Sean back into the ring. Ramon then grabs the ladder to place inside the ring, but Michael's baseball slides the ladder into Razor's gut. Can we get our like first real like ladder cringe? Real, real la- first real ladder <laughs> cringe. Yeah, this is our first ladder match that we've watched, and is it the yeah. first ladder match on pay per view in general? I mean, I feel this feels like something that they probably did in like Memphis or some shit. I don't know. Yeah, in, in like, WWE, it's not obviously not the first one ever, but yeah, in WWF. I believe this was the first televised pay-per-view ladder match. I know Sean and Brett had had one at one point on like a house show yeah, somewhere. Yeah, they were tested out yeah. uh, or whatever. All I'm saying is one ladder, two guys is so much it. better than what we've what, we, what we've devolved into. HBK slams the bad guy's head into the still steps before rolling him in. Gathers the ladder up into the ring as well. Using the ladder, Sean then rams Ramon in the gut multiple times before slamming it down on his back and throwing it across the ring onto Razor's back. It's getting reckless. Why is it that friends who wrestle beat the shit out of each other so much more than guys who actually hate each other? They trust, <laughs> they each, trust other. each other. Yeah, know, yeah. But, it's like, oh, you uh, know. It's like, also, it's like, you know, Vader's going to shoot on you anyway, but, like, you know, uh, some guys, they might... Uh, it might get a little stiff, if, but, you know, there's a friendship is good. Yeah. Michael sets the ladder up to start climbing, but the bad guy reaches up, grabbing him by his trunks, exposing his bare ass. HBK booty. Only for Heartbreak Kid to kick Ramon away before delivering an elbow drop off the ladder. Sean sets the ladder up in the corner now, delivering a body slam to Razor before heading to the top of the ladder to hit a splash. Back to the middle of the ring with the ladder, but the bad guy pushes the ladder over, sending Michaels across the top rope. Mm. Both men start running the ropes, only to run into each other for the double KO, with HBK up first, again positioning the ladder in the corner. And I love the incredible eagle-eye view of the belts, the ladder, both guys just laid out 
Sean goes for an Irish whip, only for Ramon to reverse, sending Michaels flying into the ladder and over the top rope to the floor. Razor then takes the ladder to the outside, sandwiching HBK in between the ring post and the ladder multiple times. Sean ends up in the aisle, so the bad guy sets the ladder up against the apron before catapulting Michaels into it. Back in the ring, Ramon bashes HBK in the jaw with the ladder, sends him back out to the floor, so Razor sets the ladder up and begins the climb, only for Sean to climb to the top turnbuckle, jumping off with a double axe handle that collapses the ladder. The ladder is set up again, with both men climbing to the top. They're trading blows before the bad guy suplexes Michaels off to the mat. I know. Isn't that, isn't that a lot? But he ends up losing his balance and falls off the ladder as well. Every time I watch that part, it always makes me nervous. Just because <laughs> yeah. he falls from a good ways up there. And the ladder looks like it kind of... Oh, the ladder breaks. Yeah. Yeah, it goes... The legs go opposite directions and... Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah, definitely like does the twist, twist bend. <laughs> Ramon starts climbing back up. But HBK hits the ladder with a drop kick, causing Razor to lose his balance and fall off again. And if it wasn't bent, it sure is now. Mm-hmm. Followed by just dropping it on top of the bad guy. <laughs> Both men are back to their feet, and Sean hits a super kick, mimics the call for the Razor's Edge, but hits a pile driver instead. Michaels then takes the ladder to a corner, climbs up to the top rope, coming off with a splash of the ladder. Across from him. Yeah, he like rides the ladder down timber style right across him and uh, oh my god. In the, yeah, to quote the great Joey Styles. Oh my god! <laughs> Thank you, Matt. HBK sets the ladder up over the prone body of Razor, begins to climb, but the bad guy gets to his feet, hitting a shoulder block to the ladder, sending Sean into the ropes to crotch himself and becoming all tangled up by his feet. Oh my gosh. Damn it. Ramon climbs the ladder, removes the belts from the brass ring before falling back to the mat for the win. It's incredible. And unified! Oh, unified and unified. But both men... He's not new. He already already was the champ. Both men flat on the mat. And I love that, like, when they came out, Razor walked around the ladder... Sean walked under the ladder because he's a cocky son of a bitch, and then he puts the ladder over him again later. Double bad luck, as Jerry Lawler informs us, and it's like, yeah, Sean, flew too close to the sun. You can't fucking pat yourself on the back all the time. Post-match, Razor climbs back up to the top of the ladder to celebrate. (sighs) Yeah, he looks fucking awesome. I mean, both these guys look great, but Razor's just so huge. And the like the ladder is so rickety. The ref is like stabilizing yeah, it for him, but he does a pretty good job of like standing in front of it to like be like, "Oh yeah, it's him." I'd raise his hand, but yeah. you know, this is yeah, this yeah, he deserves to be up there doing this right now. <laughs> Woo! Seriously, best still to this day, I'd say best fucking letter match that's out there. I yeah. mean, they there, there's been a couple others that are that are up there as far as memories go, but this one still has that spotlight forever shined on it as I, think- I mean Michael Michael said it best before we went to the clip it it's a wrestling match that involves a ladder while most ladder matches nowadays are what can you do with the ladder ladder matches that have just spots here and there which they're fun are, are fun don't mm-hmm. 
we're not we're not like saying that they're not, but yeah, that yeah, match is completely like, a wrestling match it's containing a, a lot. It, yeah. it involves more psychology than shock and awe, and Definitely. shock and awe is kind of what ladder matches have turned into since. Yeah. Since this. They have Where, to do that shock and awe to match or come close to what these two put on in the you know the first not necessarily yeah. the first but the the first big one that the entire world saw. Yeah, people keep up upping the ante, but not always taking the correct lesson from what we saw and what made it good. Not to say that I don't love to see a man uh, jump off the top of a ladder or get slammed <laughs> onto the ladder. I do enjoy that, but this felt more like psychologically solid. This felt more like something that maybe Jake the Snake would have put together if he could do any of the things that these men did. Well, let's move on to our next one. And I don't know if I've ever said it before, but we really like Japanese wrestling on this show. And so... We're fans. We're going to go back over to Japan for this next one. And we covered the Super J Cup. And... 1994 Super J Cup, one of the most famous tapes in all of wrestling tape trading. Just newsflash, we had five of these matches on the short list. And so literally just trying to decide which one of those to go on this list yeah. was the longest part of our argument probably. Yeah. It was just like... It's like the whole show, everyone should go back and watch WrestleMania 10. You should watch uh, Super J Cup, or um, yeah, Super J Cup 94, and maybe you'll have a different opinion about what the best match on Super J Cup 94 is, but by no means, when it's over, will you feel like you wasted your time. Absolutely not. Great. So what do we so pick? We decided we have to have a Jushin Thunder Liger. Got it. He's the man. We, we love the guy. This exists because of it's him. It's his show. And we felt like his best match on that show was against Hayabusa, who was just returning back to Japan for the first time from his excursion. Coming in with this new gimmick, first time all these people have ever seen him really doing it. Inspired me to ask and Matt, are we going to cover some FMW? <laughs> like, literally, I, I think we all were like, we need to watch more of this guy because yeah. he was so just, like, off the charts, like, amazing. And He's got the energy and a little bit more of a reckless energy than, like, Liger has. Well, let's go ahead and send it to ourselves to hear about that match. And then we're off to our sixth match. Hayabusha. Of FMW. Versus Jushin Thunder Liger. The J, in the, the J of the Cup of New Japan Pro Wrestling. If you don't know him, what are we even doing here? In another first round matchup. And uh, it was fun to have our close personal friends, Kevin Kelly and... Gino Gambino. Gino Gambino. I was like, it wasn't Chris, it was Gino. On the on the commentary. So that's why there was two versions of it on there. Yeah. Did you watch the Japan version? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it was just fun. Because I'm reading uh, this, I'm yeah. like, wait, Kevin, I don't remember hearing somebody talk that I could understand. Yeah, Kevin is... Um, I just remember sitting on it, got on the edge of my couch going, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like Power Rangers happening in front of me. So there are two versions on New Japan World, the Japanese version, but Kevin Kelly and Gino Gambino... Probably in the last year or so. Yeah, I think during... they, they did it for because Liger was retiring, so they went back and did some English commentary for the for New Japan world for different so, Liger so matches. So you'll find some random English commentary on matches yeah. throughout New Japan that are recorded nowadays. So it almost becomes 
part history lesson, part play by play. Because obviously they know what's It's already happened. So they're they're going back in here and they're telling you about Hayabusa and Liger and where they are in their careers and stuff. And, you know. So as Liger takes his cape off, Hayabusa attacks with a drop kick and a spinning heel kick to send Jushin to the floor. Yeah, this one starts right off. Oh, yeah. Where Hayabusa follows out with a Tope Kongiro with his coat still on. Liger is tossed back into the ring where Hayabusa continues the attack with a top rope dropkick to the back of the head before applying a double arm stretch, hitting a body slam and a leaping leg drop. Hayabusa with a leg lock, knee drop to the leg, only for Jushin to avoid a second try, then tosses Hayabusa to the ropes before kicking his leg out from under him and applying a figure four. But Hayabusa makes it to the ropes to break the hold. Liger with several palm thrusts, a power bomb for a two count, and goes to work on the leg, which Hayabusha slaps Jushin to escape the hold. Getting dirty. Mm-hmm. Liger with a clothesline and goes back to the leg, but Hayabusha escapes quickly to apply a headlock, only for Jushin to counter with a back suplex and a cannonball kick in the corner. Liger hits a superplex followed by some hard strikes to stagger Hayabusha. Whipping him into the corner, but Hayabusha flips out, ducking a clothesline and hitting a spinning heel kick and a drop kick for a two count. Hayabusha with another spinning heel kick, a flipping senton, and goes up top for another spinning heel kick for a near fall. Go on. Hayabusha stays on the offense with a moonsault, a top rope head scissors takedown, backbreaker, before going for a shooting star press. Ooh, yeesh, a scary <laughs> landing. It was so harsh. But he flies too far, missing Jushin completely. Too close <laughs> to the shooting star. He flew too close to the shooting star yeah. and got burnt. Shot the moon and mm-hmm. kind of missed. Yeah. Liger takes advantage, hitting a Liger bomb for the pin. Ooh. And, and no, no. <laughs> Hayabusha kicks out. And it's one of those things like he missed it, but did he mean to miss it? Of That's course, nobody wants to land on their face, but then we get this spot right afterwards. And I'm like, oh no. Uh, some places just let guys wrestle. Jushin sets him up on the top rope, only for Hayabusha to fight out of trouble. He then dies for a drop kick, but Liger catches him to hit a power bomb, follows it up with a fisherman buster Ooh. for the pin. And, and the win. win. I love to see Liger, you know, fish bust for a pin. I was like, fisherman buster for the pin? It's like, this is where the pin should be, but not the move I expected. Post-match Jushin would help Hayabusha up, and the two would shake hands. Yeah, he gives him some water. This is like pre-ice pack era, so it's what kind of used to in New Japan is the ice pack. But, uh, you know, we put over Hayabusa here for good reason. Yeah, new BFFs. This was actually Hayabusha's first match back. In Japan, after an excursion to Mexico. Hmm. Hayabusa is... Is Hayabusa Japanese? He is. Okay, I've always seen him with a mask on, and I know that he worked a lot in Mexico, so I wasn't sure... He went to Mexico and came up with the character of Hayabusa. Okay. And this is his first time coming back. He would actually later go on to become the ace, or top guy, in FMW. Yes. I know all of that. He would also be the innovator of such moves as the Falcon Arrow. Nice. The Firebird 450 Splash. Mm, okay. And the Phoenix 
splash, which is a corkscrew 450. Yeah. So it's like, oh, all right. Well, you know. Wow. Yeah. And this is why I, like, <laughs> earlier like, I told you guys, I was like, I have no clue why this guy is not in the, at least, some Hall of Fame that, yeah. that yeah. we recognize. Wow. But yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know all that much about him, but holy shit, that explains so much about just the way he performs. I mean, if he's the innovator of all this stuff, you know, eventually becoming the top guy for FMW, yeah, he... And he's got an <laughs> iconic look, like, it's one of those things, like, oh, if you've ventured outside of American wrestling at all, you know who Hayabusa is. I think we do see him a few more times, because he comes over to America and does a few things. Yeah. But I don't know how much. Yeah, so. I don't believe it's a whole lot. Oh, and that's the end of round one. I wonder if I recognize him from in the future and just not now. Yeah. I believe he always has the same style and mask. But... I think so. I'm hmm. not sure. The stuff that Hayabusa does still to this day. Just like, I'm there. He's kind of like um, if if Sabu didn't have two left feet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he does the wild stuff, but like with a lot more control. I agree with that completely. Yeah. And um, I mean, this was my forethought. first. Yeah, this was my first ever Hayabusa experience. Yeah, I'd watched plenty of Juice in in the uh, the past, but I also remember. I think Hayabusa was on the N sixty four wrestling games, the WCW ones, because the roster was so deep. Yeah. Dang. So I believe he may have been in there. So that might have been the first time I saw his name. I could be wrong. I never had a sixty four, but I played that game a lot. And for our last match of of the show, just a few weeks ago, we saw AAA head up to California, put on a show for us, and we were introduced to uh, Mike Tenay on the ones and twos. That's right. We were. I know. I'm just saying he really impressed me. But we had a match, a tag team match, with Eddie Guerrero was one of the guys. His partner, Art Bar. Love Machine. Versus Octagon and El Hio Del Santo. And this is, in the Mexican culture, one of those... They, they always like to do two out of three fall matches. But they also like to put their hair and their mask on the line. Yeah, and this is like an interesting... Knowing the rules to this match going in is a little more helpful in the storytelling. But knowing it, the storytelling is uh, fucking on par. It's absolutely beautiful, because when you think of a two out of three falls match, it's like, okay, well, we just have to pin one of the guys, you know, two times. But no, in this match, they had to pin each one of the guys to get the complete fall. And it was a completely different thing that we had ever seen. First time I'd ever seen that. And I don't think I've ever, I, I've, never, first, I've never seen it before at all. Yeah, when I was watching it the first time, I was like, kind of confused, I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess this is almost over. And then it kind of, like, clicked. And then I was like, okay. And then from there, once it clicked, story the storyline and everything and just everything. clicked into place. Yeah. It was, it was, yeah, it's like learning math. You're like, oh, I get it. You two plus watching two, it with no sound. <laughs> two plus, yeah, two plus two uh, is four. And I don't, I'm not sure why that's true, but it is. And I get it. Well, let's listen to this awesomeness of a match. So we go to our fourth match, La Perea del Terror of Love Machine, Art Bar, and Eddie Guerrero with Madonna's boyfriend. 
versus Octagon and El Hio del Santo with Blue Panther in a two out of three falls match in a Lucha de Epuestres match. So Lucha de Epuestres means match with a wager, usually being hair versus mask, as this match was. Checks out. I love that Eddie and Love Machine come out in like American flag here. Of course, with honeys. Everybody's coming out with honeys. El Hijo is the son of El Santo. One of the most famous luchadors of all time. Exactly. You know the mask. You've seen the mask. He's one of the greatest legends in Mexican sports, having become a folk hero and a symbol for justice through his appearances in films, comic books. He was even immortalized in the film Coco and was inducted into the Professional Wrestling, Wrestling Observer Newsletter and WWE Hall of Fames, never having appeared in, in WWE. While El Hijo Del Santo had joined him in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame. Love Machine is the brother of Jesse Barr, who we might remember as he teamed with Dory Funk back at WrestleMania's The Haas Brothers. Oh, at the original. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that wasn't uh, jumping out at me at all, who the hell Jesse Barr was. We've seen Jesse Barr a couple times, but I think that might be one of the last times we saw him. Hmm. So the story behind this match, give you a little context, Eddie and El Hio had been teaming, just like their fathers had in the past. So Hector and Santo. Love Machine would begin to convince Guerrero that he was in the shadow of his partner, and he would finally turn on El Hio. The Pair of Terror, which is La Priya de Terror, would start to cheat to win, while El Hio would get back up in the form of Octagon. The two teams would feud over the AAA World Tag Team Championships, with Barr and Guerrero paying off the ref to call the match for them which led to El Hio and Octagon putting their masks on the line versus the pair's hair. This match would have American tag rules, but to count a fall, you had to pin or submit both members of the opposing team. Which is a little bit different rules than what we've seen yeah, so yeah. far. Hmm. It's kind of like when we're like the top rope rule, where it's like back in the day, everybody knew that. So for us, it's kind of a weird leap to get over, but these Lucha rules, like, Lucha fans are aware of. Yeah. So it's, like, not that big of a deal. But, you know, we need to state them because we can't be like, oh, it's a blah, blah, blah match, and we're like, fuck, what? So Love Machine, as they're walking down in their, those beautiful American flag jumpsuits, he's shown taunting some Mexicans by acting like he's swimming. Oh, yes. Yes. He's doing... Um, no, not particularly uh, nice, but he's a heel. El Hio and Eddie are back and forth to start, trading arm bars, backdrops, arm wrenches, and some chin locks until Santo sends Guerrero to the floor. Octagon and Barr are both tagged in, with Love Machine being taken down multiple times with arm drags and drop kicks, only for Eddie to come in with a leaping knee to Octa to send him to the floor. Guerrero keeps up the attack with an Olympic slam on Angel Hio, followed by Barr picking up Santo onto his shoulders, and Eddie coming off the top rope for a doomsday hurricanrana for a pin. 
Eddie then goes after Octa, setting him on the top corner for a superplex, followed by Barr coming off his corner with a frog splash for the pin. So La Priya is up one to nothing. Somebody else did a frog splash, and it wasn't Eddie. Where do you think he got it from? Weird. <laughs> yeah. True. He does it in <laughs> honor. He does it in honor of Art Bar. And we'll find out why at the end of the match. So we get a bit of a rest period. So Love Machine does his little swimming taunt again before they show the highlights of the first fall. And this time, Guerrero starts with El Hio hitting a fallaway slam and a vertical suplex for a two count. Barr hits the ring to deliver several drop kicks to Octagon, does some jumping jacks, and then a body slam, followed by Eddie coming in with a slingshot splash. El Hio has had enough, so he comes in to hit a back body drop on Guerrero, descending to the floor, followed by an Octagon clothesline and a Santo Centon onto Love Machine. Eddie's back in, but is taken down by a tilt-a-whirl head scissors by El Hio. And the Technicos try to send the pair into each other, but Bar reverses only for El Hio to duck a Guerrero clothesline, so Love Machine takes the blow. The Technicos then hit stereo drop kicks to send the pair to the floor, followed by stereo tope suicidas to knock them into the guardrail. Back in the ring, El Hio with a sunset flip on Eddie for a two count. Guerrero leaps up onto the shoulders of Santo for a victory roll, only to be dropped to the mat face first. El Hio is then headed up the ropes, but Eddie is there to nail him from behind and heads up himself to hit a Frankensteiner for the pin. So all the pair have to do is pin or submit Octagon, and the match is over. All while El Hio can only look on. Because like once he's been pinned, he cannot... Interact it's like on a video match. game where you're playing. It's you know, like, oh, beat the boss, beat the boss, so I come back wait. in. Yeah. All he can do is just watch <laughs> on. If he interacts at all, his team DQ, loses. Yeah. Octa comes back into the ring, and the pair hit him with a double team clothesline. Go for a double back body drop, only for Octagon to face plant both of them. Octa goes to run the ropes, only for Bar to backdrop him and start to dance. All white octagon lands on Guerrero's shoulders to hit him with a hurricanrana for the pin. <sighs> That's the coolest move ever. <laughs> Love Machine turns to hit a clothesline, but Octa ducks and hits a Russian leg sweep before locking on an octopus hold for the submission. So the match is tied up at one fall apiece. Quick little comeback. Another rest period to prepare for the third fall. We start again with Eddie and El Hio, with Guerrero going for a powerbomb quickly, only to be countered into a hurricanrana for the pin, and no, no bar breaks it up. Eddie then applies a camel clutch, only for Octagon to come in and break it up, followed by El Hio doing the same with Love Machine breaking it up. Bar goes for a body slam, but El Hio counters into a small package, with Guerrero there to stop the count by stomping on Santo's head. Love Machine locks on a modified STF, only for Octagon to break it up with a punt to the ribs of Bar, followed by several more kicks. The Technicos hit a double elbow on Love Machine. El Hio with a vertical suplex, but another broken up pin attempt. Octagon comes in with kicks and headbutts, grabs a hold, but is broken up by Eddie, who then grabs Octa for a gory stretch, 
which El Hio stops. Santo is body slammed by Guerrero. Heads up top, only for El Hio to crawl under him for a super electric chair drop, with Barr breaking up that pin before sending the Technicos to the floor with punches and drop kicks. The pair then fly out of the ring with to- Stereo Tope Suicidas, but Eddie's foot catches the rope, so he falls on his head. Guerrero and El Hio head back into the ring, where Eddie goes for a superplex, but he's blocked and front suplexed down to the mat, followed by a top rope face plant. Oof. El Hio back body drops Guerrero over to the apron, kicks him to the floor before leaping over the ropes with a sunset flip. Octagon and Love Machine are going at it in the ring, where Octa hits a drop kick, goes for another, only for Barr to avoid, all while the ref is checking on the guys on the floor. No, no! Love Machine then hits a leaping tombstone pile driver, which is an illegal move in AAA, as it had just paralyzed a guy a few weeks before this show. Story, story. This match is so full of story. Art Bar makes the cover for the pin. The pair hit a combo clothesline into a German suplex for a near fall as Blue Panther rolls Octagon out of the ring. They continue with the superplex frog splash combo for the pin, and no, no El Hio kicks out. Octagon's being worked on by medical professionals on the outside, while Guerrero holds El Hio with Bar charging in with a clothesline, only for Santo to duck, causing Eddie to take the blow and fall out of the ring. El Hio hits a dropkick on Love Machine and heads up top for a plancha out onto Guerrero. The ref is checking on them when Blue Panther rolls into the ring to hit a pile driver on Bar. El Hio crawls back into the ring and makes the cover for the pin. So it's Eddie versus El Hio to determine the winner. Bum, bum, bum. Santo with a roll up for a two count. Eddie with a sit out powerbomb for a near fall. My God. Continues with a belly to belly suplex for a two count and a top rope Frankensteiner for a near fall. Oh my good God, it's hot as hell in here. Guerrero hits a bridging dragon suplex he calls for a two for the count. Finish. Goes for another, only for El Hio to counter into a roll up for the pin and, and the win. Shit's wild. Post match. Octagon is stretchered out to the ambulance. And back in the ring, El Hio is celebrating while the pair begin to cut each other's hair with tears in their eyes. It's like, it's so, the match was so hot. It's like, where do we go from here? Well, we did everything. We told a story. And like, it was kind of weird to get into the pinning thing. But as the match went on, you got more used to it. And by the end of it, even as, uh, because of the commentary, I understood where we were going, and I got it, and it was just like, holy shit. And it just made me want to watch it again. So some notes about this match and these guys. Dave Meltzer would rate this match five stars. Art Barr would be named Best Heel, and El Perio Del Terror was named Best Tag Team of 1994. I mean, this match is so crazy. It's so fucking good. But this would be the only time we will ever see Art Bar, as he would die 17 days later. Jesus Christ. With most assuming from drug abuse. 
And that's Love Machine. Yeah. Yes. So that's the part that was throwing me off. I kept hearing you say the name Art Bar, and I remembered hearing you say the name Jesse Bar at the start. So I had to scroll back a second ago. I'm like, where is this art name from? But yeah, you'd said it was Jesse's brother was Love Machine, but I hadn't actually heard the name yet. Triple A, instead of vacating the tag team championships, would actually just retire them. Really? Yeah. Wow. In honor of Bar and Eddie. So did that mean they just came back later on with a, a new tournament and a new design for the belt? A new different belt. Yeah. It's yeah. called something else. They're like, okay, well, we reached the pinnacle. Yeah. Because holy shit, guys. Wow. Holy shit, guys. But literally both of these guys were being talked to about coming to other promotions. Like, Yeah, they were hot. They were, they were obviously they were the big hot. free agents at yeah, the time, yeah. basically. And we'll, we'll see Eddie show up pretty soon in, in someplace else doing a frog splash in honor of his friend. Love machine, art bot. Yeah. Yeah, it, it holds up completely. Yeah. It, and I think it might always be <laughs> one of my favorite tag team matches that we've ever yeah. covered. After watching this match, I'm going to start a like uh, like drum machine, keyboard heavy solo project called Emotional Haircut. <laughs> Because these four men, they're just apologizing while they cut each other's hair. Love machine head. <laughs> love machine. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like the name of a pretty good movie. But those were our five favorite matches that we covered over the last 40 or so episodes. We couldn't, we couldn't sneak in the we, cage match. We couldn't put them all in the show because the no. show would then be really long. And I almost feel weird that we did this, that one, and not the cage. And the... It's hard. It's hard. I think, but, we did, I think we did the right thing. Yeah. We, we want to just throw out a few of our other ones that were on our short list. I mean, we've mentioned them while we cover the shows, but they're all right here. We'll just kind of go around and throw, throw them out. From our very first show that we covered in 1993, the very first match of that show, because I, I remember I was just like, oh, this is how this, 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 how this season... Is going to start, then we're, we're in for a good one. And it was Liger versus Ultimo Dragon on Super Show 3. Insanity. So good. What about you guys? I mean, yeah, of course. These are matches we kind of shit our pants about. That's why we <laughs> set them aside. It's, it's, it's good stuff. It's Liger I mean, you, and Ultimo you, Dragon. You mentioned the Paraguayo versus Conan Steel Cage match. Like, that match was so good. Like That's the match that happens right after. Right, the, the tag team match that we just covered. Yeah, yeah. Like it goes right after that, and the Eddie Guerrero starts a fist fight with a crowd member. <laughs> the crowd is going bananas. There is at least yeah. fucking a pint of blood. It's spilled. some real shit. Uh, it is friend versus friend, and one of them just turned into the largest of heels. I mean, on this short yeah. list, we have we had heart. Bret Hart, four times. We got the Heavenly Bodies three. Heavenly Bodies three times. The Steiners a couple of times. Yes. Liger a few times. Liger like three or four times. Because like we said earlier, we had the Super J Cup show. We had a bunch of those matches on our short list. Yeah, Heavenly right. Bodies, Rock and Roll, Heavenly Bodies, Steiner Brothers. We like... got Guerrero on here a few times as Guerrero or Black, Black Tiger. Tiger. Benoit, Benoit's Pegasus, Pegasus Kids a few times. So, you, I mean, you can... We, we even have 
the final of the ECW NWA World Title Tournament between Shane Douglas and Two Cold Scorpio, yep. which is kind of wild. And Two Cold Scorpio actually made it on the list a couple times. Yeah, we have him with the Ben Wall. This is where Two Cold Scorpio has been his best in all of the Two Cold we've watched, which basically is ninety three to ninety four for the most part. But him in the hands of somebody as good as Shane Douglas, you really get what the kids call a banger. Absolutely. Yep. Kind of crazy that there's no Ric Flair match on here, which is a real shame. A real shame. A real head shake and shame. Yeah. But it is what it is. You don't. You can't. Flair can't have a 1989 every year of his life. I mean, the beginning of '94 was pretty good in WCW. Yeah. But then Hogan came in, and yeah, we all know our feelings about Hogan. But the quality of the shows do take a dive. Yeah, for Hogan like is great for, if you're the if that's the kind of thing you like. That's the kind of thing those people like. But as you can see, based on matches we talk about with love and the matches that we put on this list, we're kind of more interested in in ring storytelling and athletic competition. Yes, Absolutely. we like fun. We do love fun. We promise. But we think that this is a little bit more fun than Hogan jamming vitamins down our throat. Absolutely. Forcing us to pray. I'll pray if I wanna. (laughs) Terry. Next week, we head to Japan for Battle 7. Did did we watch Battle (laughs) 6? We did not watch Battle 6. Okay. (laughs) It's the January 4th show for New Japan Pro Wrestling. It's a dome show. Tokyo uh, Egg Dome, as they called it in the 90s. Exactly. So we're going to cover that next week. Lots and lots of matches on that show. I mean, you know how we feel about Japanese wrestling. And also Battle 7. We like it. Sounds like a name of an anime. Uh, (laughs) Oh. What if it's their version of Battle Bull? Mm, I don't think they would do that to us. Or maybe they would, and they'd do it right. (laughs) Great, bring it on! (laughs) We also will have the return of the Dusty Finish. Oh, Oh, trivia break. We're going to take a break from the trivia. Get back to to the history. Go go back to the history a little bit for for a little while. We'll come back to the trivia, I'm sure, at some point, because I had a lot of fun making up the questions and watching you guys squirm. It was very fun. I enjoyed the trivia quite a bit. It was nice up until those last three questions. <laughs> we got into I, that. We got into that. Flow. I kind of stacked the deck a little bit on you. I I admit. But I also did like the, I said the trick of like well, Stark eight eighty four. You're like eighty five, eighty six, and then we did a WrestleMania, and yeah. you weren't keeping up with the not math numbers, wasn't no. right. See. Mm-hmm. No. I didn't, I didn't pay attention to that WrestleMania being in 1985 because in my head it's always 84. <laughs> That's the part about that was that I literally had said that just like three seconds earlier. Yeah. We were in a flow. We were we were uh, we were jamming. But the music from this week's show, we're gonna play. We had Machine Head at the very beginning by Bush, and another one of our stinger songs, Bell Bottoms by John Spencer Blues Explosion. If you like this episode or any of our other ones, please go out there and rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcast at. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, recipes, like Shane says there, you can always find us at our email, wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com, or on Twitter at wrestlinghistox. That's wrestling H I S T O. 
X. Watch good wrestling and share it with your friends. Slide into our DMs and tell us what your uh, favorite match from 93 to 94 is. Are you a franchise too cold kind of guy? Do you miss Recruit as much as we do? We all miss Recruit. I'm going to cry. We'll talk to you next week. Laters.